0: I'm Kelly J. Grace, and welcome to Divine Connections. You're listening to Episode 22. On the podcast today, we're continuing to explore some of the ways that our spiritual experiences echo our earthly ones. Almost every parable that Jesus taught began with something that everybody around him was familiar with. He said things like, a sower went out to sow or no one lights a candle and then covers the flame. He said a net let down into the water catches all kinds of fish. And the shepherd leaves the 99 to go after a lost sheep. He talked about laborers at work in a vineyard or the insistent friend who comes to you at midnight banging on the door wanting to borrow bread for an unexpected guest. People listening to Jesus immediately had a point of reference for the concept and the truth that he was teaching. Last week, we talked about that feeling of coming home, and uh, I mentioned that it's a feeling that I had the very instant that I heard that God loved me and that Jesus had offered himself as a sacrifice for my sins. I mean, in that very moment, It really felt like a huge door into the very heart of God had swung wide open to me, and I knew that I had come home. I was embraced by my Heavenly Father and welcomed into His family through faith in Jesus Christ. My spiritual experience felt like a divine version of something I knew really, really well—the feeling of coming home. Listen in. You know, mine was an ideal childhood. I had loving parents, and then I had the freedom of a small California town version of Christopher Robin's 100-acre wood. Remember that from the Winnie the Pooh stories? And my friends and I constantly explored the territory of our own 100-acre wood, starting with that swift river that ran along the eastern border— all the way to the corner market that was on the northwestern boundary, which, by the way, had the most incredible candy counter ever. <laughs> but no matter how far and wide we roamed or whatever adventures captivated us, we all obeyed a mysterious inner clock that called us home at dinnertime every evening. Now, if you think June Cleaver you get a picture of my mom. Remember, that's the beaver's mom in Leave It to Beaver? June Cleaver. Well, that was my mom. And back then, in the 50s and the 60s, she made almost every single meal that our family had 365 days a year. And dinner time was a sit-down event around a dining table. I mean, Sure, in the summer, we came in our shorts, but we were around our dining table together, and we talked and we ate together. We reconnected with each other, and our family bonds just grew stronger and stronger with every subsequent meal. I a while ago, I came across this Middle Eastern proverb, and it says this, by bread and salt, we are united. And when I read that, I kind of Harken back to those words of Jesus in Revelation 3.20, where he says, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into their house and eat with them, and they will eat with me. It's dinner time with Jesus. Now, in almost every episode of this podcast, we seem to circle around and touch on one of the spiritual disciplines that helps us as believers to grow in our relationship with God. I mean, we talk about things like prayer or praise and worship, about serving others. We talk about meditation on God's Word and, of course, reading the scriptures. Of the many spiritual disciplines, though— I think that reading the Bible is the most likely to sometimes start feeling to us like a duty or an obligation. And we start doing it out of guilt, and we can find it incredibly boring and dull. And none of that is very motivational, right? That's not the stuff that will keep us coming back for more. So if that's how you've ever felt about reading God's Word— Let me ask you this question. How might it change your approach and your feeling about daily time in God's Word to think about it as a mealtime with Jesus? If you're a Christian, a believer in Christ, then you have a divine connection of your very own. As someone once said, there are no grandchildren in the kingdom of God. Your divine connection is your own one-on-one relationship with God. And it was given to you when you put your faith, your trust in Christ, and it was assured to you, or guaranteed is the word the New Testament uses, by the Holy Spirit, who has come in and taken up residence inside you. Remember, the scripture says, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit, whom you have from God. So you've come home to God, and he's come to live within you until that day that he takes you to an eternal home, the one that Jesus went to prepare for you, a place where all of God's family where we will all ultimately be together forever and ever. But until then, he's come to live within us. Now, if we circle back to that idea I mentioned earlier of the parables, we find Jesus talked about his fellowship with us as sharing a meal. So he describes it really as dinner time. And we all get it, don't we? I mean, we all know about dinner time. Because we all need to eat. And here's the, here's the sweet, sweet truth. Jesus doesn't want us to eat alone. Our time in his word is like dinner time. But many of us, I think, imagine and feel that we're sitting there alone at the table. And that's when it has become that duty and that obligation, that thing to check off of our to-do list, to check off on our little annual Bible reading plan. So do you ever struggle with that, with spending time every day over a meal with Jesus? Now, you might ask, well, wait, wait a minute, what did you just say? Do you struggle with spending time every day over a meal with Jesus? And now you're thinking, wait, I thought you were going to say, do I struggle with with my daily Bible reading? Do I struggle with my Bible study or trying to read through the Bible in a year? Well, I'm saying it this way on purpose because my hope today is to to help you gently shift your perspective on God's Word and on how your own thinking about it and about reading it or, you know, interacting with God's Word, how your own thinking might be keeping you from enjoying and receiving from it and growing from it. So again, I want to ask that question. How might it change your approach and your feelings about daily time in the Word to simply think of it as a meal with Jesus? So today, I'm challenging you to hold on to one new thought. And instead of thinking, oh, I have to read my Bible, I want you to say to yourself, I think it's time to share a meal with Jesus. Now, maybe you're rushed this morning and you only have time to grab a little power bar (laughs) and run out the house, you know, or Today may be the day that you have the luxury of this long, relaxing feast. Or are you going to make it a lunch break? Or a little afternoon pick-me-up, a cup of coffee over the word? Maybe for you, it's a bedtime snack. Or you may be one of those perfect planners, those people who have a regular full breakfast in the Word every day. That's your practice, and you structure your whole entire daily schedule to make room for that. I say, Amen. That is wonderful. But for so many of us, from time to time, over, especially over years of walking with the Lord, we can struggle with this. But I think if we hold that thought in our mind, I think it's time to share a meal with Jesus. I think that's going to change things for us. So whatever kind of a planner you are, or maybe you're not a planner at all, or whatever phase of life you're in right now, what really matters is not, and I want you to hear me, it's not the time of day that you do this or the size of the meal. It can be a snack or a feast. It's that Jesus is there to share it with you. That is what will make all the difference in the world. You're going to have to wrap your mind around that concept. You're going to have to really engage your faith and believe that Jesus promised, if you want to spend that time with me, I'm there. I'm there. You don't have to ask twice. Because it's that connection to him through the word That is so essential. And that's the part we neglect when we make it about checking off the chapters we've read or finishing the study guide that we've been going through. Now, neither of those things are wrong. In fact, it is super helpful to try to read through the whole Bible in a year. It is really helpful to study the Word of God and, you know, go a little bit deeper in it. So neither of those things are wrong They are helpful, they're good, but they are not the one necessary thing. That thing that Jesus commended Mary of Bethany for choosing. You see, in Luke chapter 10, we see this interaction, a typical family interaction that happened in the home of some of Jesus's very special friends, Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. And remember Mary, the... Uh, I always think of her as the older sister. I'm not sure if she is, but she sure acts like one. (laughs) And she's one of the two sisters. And she is totally stressed out about the company that they have, these guests that are in their home, and then the food. And she thinks Jesus should really, you know, kind of get her sister to start helping her. But listen again to what Jesus says to her. Now, This is one of those stories that you probably know, that I know, but it's when we slow down and we start carefully reading the words. That's when sometimes a nuance of a meaning comes to us that we've maybe overlooked time and time again. So listen to what Jesus says to her. He says, Martha, Martha, (laughs) you're anxious and you are troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion, or other versions say the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Now, the Bible tells us that Mary of Bethany sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words, and that is the necessary thing. Jesus said that wouldn't be taken from her. And I don't think he was describing just that particular day, that particular moment and event in their home. I think he meant that whenever Mary sits at his feet to hear his words, it will stay with her. It will become part of her. It will not be taken from her. That's that process that I think you and I really are missing. And because we sometimes miss that, we get demotivated in interacting with God's word because it does often seem dull and boring or irrelevant to our lives. But it's when, when we can really conceptualize that Jesus is there with us in this process. I mean, I want you to realize dinner time is a time of communion, of connection, of being united with others. It happens around food, yes, a life-giving sustenance that feeds our soul and makes growth possible. But the food, apart from the fellowship, is really, and I want you to hear me, it's really settling for the smaller part of what Jesus wants to give you. If you've ever read through 2 Corinthians, you come across in chapter 3, verse 6, that little phrase that says, The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now, the idea is that the two of those are meant to go together. It was Jesus and the Word that made the hearts of those two disciples on the road to Emmaus burn within them. Invite him into your time in the Word and your heart, too, will burn within you again. Throughout the scripture, we get insights into the way God's word really adapts to us and our need for spiritual food. I mean, it says that it's milk for the babe and meat for the mature. It's spiritual food that is perfectly suited to our need and our maturity level. The Bible says it's sweeter than honey and the honeycomb, but it's also a two-edged sword. Because sometimes that's what we need the most to help us grow. So if you're frustrated or even feeling defeated about really taking in God's Word, I want you to consider if you've been trying to take in the Word, but you've been leaving Jesus out of the mealtime. I mean, He is waiting for you to invite Him in as Mary did, and then to take your place at His feet And hear his words. When you do that, then you will be able, like Jeremiah of old, to say, Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord of hosts. If you've quit coming home for meals, I want you to start again now. The table is always set, and Jesus is always there, waiting to dine with you. Heavenly Father, would you free us from our our sometimes performance-oriented mind, our idea of duty around reading your word, and give us instead the heart, that beautiful heart of Mary of Bethany, who was willing to set aside, even in a busy time, everything else and just for a little while enjoy time at your feet, listening to your words. Whether we have just a few moments or the luxury of hours, Father, feed our souls and grow us with every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God until our hearts burn within us again as you talk with us and you open the scriptures to us. Remind us to depend on you to do for us what you've done for others. And then to just thank you for your promise to come in when we open the door and share with us as we eat until we are fully, fully satisfied. Amen. Well, thanks again for listening. And you can connect with me on Instagram at Kelly J. Grace, or you can check out the website for resources for your spiritual growth at Kelly J. If you If this is your first time hearing the podcast, check out the website. You'll find there two resources completely for free. One is called A Spiritual Self Care Guide, and the other is 25. Powerful tips for a better marriage now. And as always, I hope that this episode has helped you to connect divine truth to your everyday life and be sure and hit that follow button to be notified of new episodes. And of course, leave a review if you've been blessed because it really does help others to find their way here and to know what's this podcast all about. (laughs) So thank you so much for that. And I will see you next time.